0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night wherever you are in the world and welcome to the return, the grand return of From the Grandstands. Today we are previewing... The Gen 3 era of supercars with the first round at Newcastle coming up not too far away. Uh, We're having a look at the cricket, both test cricket and the shorter form uh, with some very exciting results just in the recent past and we'll look ahead to what we are watching this month and it is my pleasure to welcome back to the Grandstand, Kiwi Chris. Welcome back Chris.
1: Hello Michael, hello everybody. Yes, it's so great to be back. Uh, it's been about a year since we did this, which is about right. Seeing my baby turns one on Wednesday. Oh, congratulations! Happy birthday, Phoebe! <laughs> Yay! So, yeah, it's nice to finally be back
0: doing this. Yeah, we. And we I can't wait to talk about some of our loves. Yes, we, we got. We started this off and it was going well, and then we missed one month and it all turned to trash. But we've been given some encouragement from you. I'm looking at you specifically in in the in the podcast discussion channel. Someone said, "Hey, I, I missed you guys doing this," and then look, we're doing it again. <laughs> this, this is all your fault, <laughs> and 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 power to you as well for making us do this. So we should start with supercars. We should start with Gen Three because it's it's by God, it's finally happening. We've only been talking about it for two or three years, but it's finally the Gen Three cars, they do exist, they've been on track and it's 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 happening, Chris. Do they? Well we I well,
1: believe some of the doom <laughs> doom mongering we've seen. We might not see all twenty five
0: cars at the end of the weekend, but hey, we're on track. Well, we we, we we hope so um there is still you know the the final dotting i's and crossing t's that still somehow has to happen even though the cars are going to be on track at Newcastle this week but we before we dive into that sort of stuff you know we've been talking talking about gen 3 coming along for a little while what's what's the the reason for gen 3 why does gen 3 exist well reasons twofold if not morefold uh one
1: trying to obviously the Australian motor, motoring industry doesn't exist anymore trying to get models that are more in line with what manufacturers are selling so Mustang Camaro two-door saloons two-door sports cars uh trying to get cheaper cheaper for the team so more control parts more standard parts um, and more I guess more relevant to this the motoring landscape as well yeah those while we trying to maintain what my supercars great yeah quite close fantastic racing.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the thing that has been the difficult part in this this whole procedure. It's making the the making sure the racing product has been good, um, because there has been a criticism over the last few years that supercars are a bit crap, um, mostly because of the over reliance on aero dependent uh, setups. So like they they're almost they were like GT light for a little while there, and like you know that was the feedback that like. Van Gisberg and Mostert and Waters were all saying it's like you can't really follow closely anymore so the idea is hopefully with these cars they're going to be cheaper, they're going to be loud and they're not going to have as much aero so they're going to race closer together which are all good things in my opinion yeah plus the flames are back yes the flames are back Oh, man, I love the side <laughs> port exhaust. So, like, for those who don't know, back in the, the Project Blueprint days, they had side port exhaust, and it meant that whenever there was a gear change or if they lifting off the throttle, big burst of flames out the side. And now we've got them back. It looks so good. Yes, it does. And the cars themselves,
1: most of them have really turned up. They look amazing. Liveries look fantastic for most cars. A excluded. Ooh. Okay. What <laughs> and makes it- it's... Uh, hey. For those who haven't seen it, they've got the Super Cheap sponsorship this year on their usual Red Bull Blue. So it just looks like they just slapped a Super Cheap sticker on there. and said, here you go. That works. It looks just out of place and
0: wrong. I don't hate it. I kind of like the colour combination. It reminds me of the old, like, Stephen Ellery Super Cheap auto livery from, like, the early 2000s. You want to remember that? I do. I thought it was great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, hey, to... hey, at least
0: it's better than the effort that uh, DJR and uh, Tickford have rolled out where they've just gotten the coffee, copy machine and just gone, yep, that works, and just done the same livery that they did last year, the year before that, the year before that, year before that. Like, that, that Shell true. V-Power livery's been on three different cars now. Yes, it has, true, yes.
1: Um, but a lot of the cars are running like the old-school Mustang Camaro stripes, like the Walkinshaw Fords, and I have still got not got <laughs> used to saying that. How, how weird is that?
0: Walkinshaw Fords?
1: Yeah, they've got the black stripes. You've got the uh, Brad Jones of Jack Smith running the red stripes, the old uh, Camaro
0: style. They all look fantastic. The cars themselves look more muscly and amazing. They look, they look pretty good. I'm quite excited to see how they look yeah. on track. Um, now, of course, yes. with any with any new formula, there's going to be questions over parity and all mm-hmm. that sort of bullshit. Um, and the way the Supercars yes. do- does it, and the way that Supercars has done it for a very long time, they do a what's called a VCAT test. And I can't tell you off the top of my head what the VCAT stands for, but it's basically a, a verification test. And so they got, uh, I think it was two cars, two Camaros and two Mustangs, and took them out into a runway in the middle of whoop whoop nowhere New South Wales and they ran a bunch of like runs up and down the runway with a bunch of different aero parts a bunch of different restrictors basically doing the process to get all the cars within the same sort of performance window and now this process works really 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 well the only time I've ever seen it not work well was when Ford brought the first Mustang which actually wasn't technically compliant (laughs) <laughs> yes. And ran it at the VCAT. Uh, and then that's why that was all a mess. But I, the process worked really, really well. However, from the friggin' drumming and ooing and r'ing from all sort of sides of the media and all sides of the, particularly the Ford garages, you would have thought that supercars, you know, took their firstborn child and stole it and took that away from them with how how much they're bleating about the the parody and it's like i don't know i i don't think it's all bad
1: it's not and i think back to like project project blueprint and the early days when they threw out car car of the future we were doing homologation and vcat testing and all that sort of stuff a week or two before Similar situation where teams were building components for their cars in the two weeks leading up to the first race. You've just got to trust the process. Yes, there's been some complications here in terms of COVID delays and delays on that, in terms of getting parts sorted. And there's also been the issue of the Fords running a heavier engine because, for the first time in a long time, we've got different engine specs,
0: mm.
1: which is an added complication to deal with. And the fact that minimum weights have only just been confirmed in what, the last 72 hours?
0: Yeah, which is kind of nuts.
1: Yeah. Um, and even today, the Camaro had some aero adjustments. So it's incredibly late in the process, but I still believe that, that they'll be able to get it right. The fact that Ford are bleeding so much, I'm a little concerned about because normally with this sort of stuff, if both sides are bleeding, you are doing a good job. If one side's bleeding and the other side's accepting it, can be a little bit dicey.
0: Mm, that's true,
1: and, and I don't think we'll really know until Friday.
0: Yeah, this is true. Like the the litmus test is going to be being at Newcastle and seeing the cars on track. Um, you would have thought that the litmus test would have been the collective test at Sydney Motorsport Park, but that turned out to be a bit of a farce. In all, all things considered, and I mean, I know supercars were trying to do you know the right thing by giving the t- the teams and the the builders as much time to get a car together but I think as you said the fact that the minimum weight for the cars was only mandated for the series like over the weekend which was like not before the test weekend and the fact that the tires weren't standardized and we had like the poor weather is like whatever whatever but like there was all these little things leading up to the test which kind of meant that the test itself was entirely meaningless like, you know, Ford are going mm-hmm. to point to the test results and go, look, there's only one Ford in the top 10 cars. It's like, yeah, well, you were all running on old tires and you're running 40 kilograms heavier because no one's set a minimum weight yet and your cars are barely completed. So, of course, the, there's going to be disparity. But it just, I don't know, it's, it's always one of those things where uh, there's as much a, a media game in determining parity as there is an actual technical game. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, the fact that... Did you hear the, the comments from David Reynolds saying that, like, uh, if they don't make a change, then they're basically just wasting a whole year in in the fours. Did you hear him say something like that? I did hear him say something like that. Alongside him buying a sauna. Um, like, it's what's what's your a, take? What's your take on, on all this stuff? Like, do you? We we've gone through periods of Ford dominance. We've gone through periods of Holden dominance. We've seen new cars get introduced <laughs> and be overpowering. Cough, DJR Team Penske Mustang.
1: Hmm. What's, I mean, your, there is, what's your reason?
0: What's in, at the moment there is also the suspicion
1: of okay someone's just built a better must trap. maybe holden well maybe Triple A have done that yeah but with how open this process has been like every vcat test every bit of testing has been done with the two teams DEGR and triple a next to each other sharing data sharing everything there really shouldn't be any room for complaints about the process, okay. the The outcome might not be quite where it needs to be, according to one team, at least. But you've had this long to prepare for it. You shouldn't be surprised by what you've got now.
0: Yeah, it, ex- exactly. And I, like, I think that the the whole parody of the debate is fairly overdone. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It, every
1: time we get a new car.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's always the same. So I mean. I guess the, the true test will be at Newcastle and whether or not that determines whether uh where the actual balance is and whether or not there needs to be uh a further adjustment but like I mean it's it's kind of f- funny coming from like GT racing where there's always BOP arguments to supercars mm-hmm. where like we've had entire fields qualify within half a second before like 25 cars Qualified within half a second, yet people complain about parity. It's like, well, you don't realize just how good you've got it. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. It's this. This is a great series, and they manage this so well. Usually, let's just give them a chance, eh?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Where, where should we go, Chris? Do we want to talk about the drivers, <laughs> or do we want to talk about where we're starting the season?
1: Let's talk about some of the drivers because there's been a few changes. Not as many changes as there has been in the past,
0: but a few notable changes and a few retirements too. Yeah, so we've got one one two three new drivers to the to the the series and uh one move, I think. Two moves, two moves. Mm-hmm. Two moves. Yeah. So the movements are uh probably a good place to start first. So Todd Hazelwood moves on from Matt Stone Racing to join Blanchard Racing. Uh and Tim Slade moves from Blanchard Racing to replace Chris Pither at Premier. So I I don't think it's a surprise that Chris Pither is getting moved along because uh, he's been, what, what's the term that you use? A bit of a journeyman? Mm-hmm. And Premier don't need coke money anymore, so he can go. That's exactly right. Um, and if they've got, yeah, if they've got ambitions to really find their way up to grid, I think pairing Slade or pairing Golding, who's... Still got many, many years of growth uh, to come with someone with like Tim Slade, who's been around the series for gosh, it feels like fifteen, sixteen years now. Must yeah. be something like that. <laughs> um, is a good is a good move. Um, what What do you make of Todd Hazelwood's move, though? I mean, I, I think the question is: Is Matt Stone going to improve
1: this year? And I think the answer is no. I like the move to Blanchard. But I think they've really... Because they've been trying to get a two-car team going as well. Uh, they haven't been able to do it yet, and I think they will look to do it in the future. He could potentially be the basis for that two-car team going forward. So getting him in a team leadership role would be good for him. And I, I
0: like the move. It's it, it feels like another sort of sideways move in a series of sideways moves, uh, though. that's That's the sort of thing that is... Pinging the alarm bells off for me is that, uh, you know, when was the last time we saw Hazelwood make a move sort of up the grid? And, you know, the answer is probably when he went to Brad Jones, but that didn't really move up the grid. So this is, that's the the concern for me. But here's
1: the thing. Where was he going to go that's up the grid this year?
0: Exactly. That's the thing. Uh, With a brand new formula, with a brand new car, it could be anywhere. Mm. Exactly.
1: And... Matt Stone, to me, has always been about blooding the young guys. Yeah, the person they brought in this year, Cam Hill, is one of these young guys from Super Two, who's got an incredible amount of promise. I'm excited to see him in the series.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good, an absolutely good shout. It was in the the titled uh, fight for um, Super Two all the way up to the very end on the streets of Adelaide. So, yeah, for Matt Stone to continue that philosophy of bringing the young guys in, giving them a shot, he's going to become. He's, he might even become the new. Um, Gary Rogers in that respect, then. Exactly. And that's my bad thing, right? No, not at all. If he's got an eye for talent like Rogers, then that would be a fantastic thing. <laughs> um if he's got an eye for talent like his dad, dad Michael did. Also that. That would be fantastic. Um, two other new drivers coming up from Super 2. Uh, one was absolutely no surprise. Matt Payne coming up uh, through the Grove uh-huh. Racing ladder. Uh, we expected this. We kind of knew about it like, March last year. So that's that's no surprise there with Lee moving off into retirement. Um and the other one the yeah. other one was a bit of a surprise, a bit of changing camps, changing uh well uh, sliding doors in that respect. Uh Declan Fraser jumping into a Tickford racing car. I the whole think the story around this is really
1: so of stra- really strange.
0: Yeah, well do you want to give us the 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 cliff notes? Give us the TLDR. So with Fraser, he's been driving with
1: Triple uh, he, A. He's Triple A through and through, or has been. Uh, Jake Kostecki was, I mean, he had an okay to not great season last year, but I thought he was deserving of a second season. And suddenly, just out of the blue, got, the, got thrown out the door. They never really explained why, but it seemed like it was for
0: some form of misbehaviour? Apparently there was a altercation at the supercars gala dinner. So the post season Mm. event, apparently this is, this was, that was the rumor of the time that there was, there was some altercation that Kosteki was involved in, uh, post post gala. So, which is not great. No, (laughs) not ideal. Not ideal. So,
1: what they've done, they've got Dick Fraser, yeah, who, like I said, last year drove for Super 2, in Super 2, for AAA, and was their co-driver last year in the uh, Craig Lounge machine. So, we're all thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to be their next cab off the rank. Dickford have potentially pulled a master strike and grabbed him.
0: And that's brave. That's pretty brave. It's a very brave move for the 22-year-old. As well, though, it kind of. It's a weird move from Tickford because what do you do if you're Zach Best? No, so so for context, Zach Best mm. was the the Tickford driver in Super Two. He finished second in the championship behind Declan Fraser, and now he's been passed over to allow Declan Fraser to get into the Tickford team, wherein Zach Best was looking to get a drive like for this. It doesn't really make sense. So if you if you're Zach Best, what are you thinking now?
1: I'd be wondering what I've got to do because
0: Zach Best hasn't he been in the Super 2 now? Uh, I think two or three seasons, not like yeah. like not he's, not an obnoxious amount of time, but you know,
1: and he is doing obviously another season there, but not
0: with Tickford. No, he's he's moved on to another team. Uh, so now <laughs> he's he's out of that ladder now. Who knows what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, yeah, driving for Anderson Motorsport of all teams. I so made you. So that's really soured that relationship, I suspect um so his next move I'm not sure what his next move is,
0: yeah, it's I'll tell you what it's pretty interesting in that respect oh, just, just a little bit, <laughs> yeah, so who knows what's gonna happen there uh they're the major well they're the, they're the only th- what, five driver changes uh, from last season. So pretty pretty calm, silly season, all things considered. Like, normally we see, like, swathes of changes and there's a whole freaking jigsaw puzzle to put together, but not too much uh, for, for this year. Um, what is going to be interesting is starting the season on the streets of Newcastle, because of all the places where we could start the season... Newcastle will probably be one that's most likely to bruise cars. Newcastle and Adelaide. Man, I miss starting the season in Adelaide. Yes, and
1: so do I. (laughs) Uh, It's it's a difficult track at the best of times. When your spare parts are going to be limited, when you're running a car, you're not even sure how you meant to start it properly. Because let's not forget these cars are so much lighter, so much more fuel when they get them as well, bigger fuel tanks. Mm. Getting them off the line is going to be so different. Just the way they're designed is totally foreign. So I can't think of anywhere I'd rather not drive the first race. At least Adelaide, you Adelaide, you've got a little bit of forgiveness in the opening corners.
0: Uh, what about Gold Coast? Of, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty up there. But either way, uh, one one of these street hybrid tracks is not going to be not not going to be kind to these brand new cars, and that's going to be the thing. It's not mm. kind. There's a lot of really difficult elevation changes, high curbs, ninety degree corners, blind crests. That like the 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 potential for something to go wrong is through the roof. Oh yeah,
1: and we've seen that.
0: Like there has never been a dull five hundred in Newcastle. No, no, there hasn't. And there's not because no one's in the wall. Yeah, exactly. Usually because no in the wall, you know. And there's not actually that much turnaround between uh, the Newcastle event and the next event, which is supporting the uh, Melbourne four well supporting the uh, the the Grand Prix, the Formula One at uh, at Melbourne. Uh, so it's only what three weeks. Uh, which is mm. not really enough time to build a new car if you ride a car off.
1: Yes. Um, and they wouldn't have built three cars if you were in a two-car team yet, so
0: no. good luck to you. Yeah, it would be... We we might see some battle scars uh, lasting all the way through to the F1. Well, what's your thoughts on the Newcastle street circuit as a racing circuit? We've only had the the three events there, so 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, of course, being the season finale caused different levels of drama. kept kept things tense, kept things on our toes. But what, yeah, what? Are, what are your thoughts on the actual racing product? It's a spectacular track to drive. I think is a hot lap
1: racing around here. I think is a different story. There's not really that many places to get a move done. Uh, turn four, turn twelve are the two obvious ones, and maybe into eight. Coming up, the hit run along the harbour side, but yeah. it's kind of difficult. I, I I don't want to call it like Monaco, but it kind of is. Yeah, where you qualify is more important than where you than where you um how you race. I think yeah,
0: and and yeah, as well the 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 energising times we've had at Newcastle have been because of the championship battle, and it has been because mm. of vastly different tyre strategy as well. So. I mean, that's gonna come into it, but I wonder how these new cars are gonna deal with the just the everything of Newcastle.
1: <laughs> yeah. The bumps, the elevation, the curbs, the contact. Yeah, the contact. The wheels.
0: It's kinda of, it's gonna be kinda of scary. I, I it will be interesting mm-hmm. to see the, the Newcastle event uh in, in March as opposed to in November or December as well, see if that has a big a big difference on how things go. Yeah. I think one thing that will work in its favour is
1: all the buzz around Gen 3. Like, think of it... Compared to F1. When F1 starts at Melbourne, starts the season in Melbourne, there's a different vibe to when it's round 3 or 4 like it is this year.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, season, season starts always give you a bit more excitement, a bit more anticipation for what you're going to see. And then if it throws you a Bahrain-style fizzler like we had at the first round of Grand Prix...
0: I haven't watched Sunday it night. yet. I'm not listening. Let's <laughs> listen. Um, but I think I think we'll be okay for the first the, round
1: for the here in early. It,
0: it it'll certainly be a baptism of fire. Uh, hopefully not yes. literally. Um, hey hey Chris, you know what? I've just had a quick look at. Hm. Mm-hmm. I've just had a quick look at the weather Is forecast it? for the week, and let Long- me tell you, it's going to be warm but mm-hmm. uh, there's mm-hmm. about a 40% chance of rain predicted all day on Sunday.
1: Oh, boy. Ooh, that's yeah.
0: another... We haven't had a wet Newcastle yet. Have we? we have not had a wet Newcastle yet, so that's something to look forward to. Oh, boy. Good luck, guys. <laughs> with, with that in mind, <laughs> uh, who do we expect to be the, 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 the people to beat, the teams to beat, the the, 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 the everyone's to everyone? Who Who's going to win? Um,
1: well, if we look at the testing times, which were really meaningless, there wasn't a huge change in the front runners. So you, you're your suspects, your DJRs, your Triple A's, your um, you know, they're going to be up there. So I would ex- still expect this to be the Gizzy show.
0: Yep. I, I think that's fair. Especially um, if, it's, if there's weather around. Yeah, for sure. Um, if he's off, then there's anyone's game. And yeah, considering where he was at the Bathurst twelve hour, the idea of him being maybe off his game isn't so far fetched. Hmm. Hmm. Um I was impressed with Heimgartner's times at the at the at the test, so I hope that he starts to uh continue that for um for Brad Jones racing. Um that would be that would I'd be, just
1: good be nice to see. To see, it'd be nice to see Brad Jones actually in the championship cup one day.
0: Well, he. This is basically what happened with the 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 car of the future the first time around. Uh, all of a sudden, he was near the pointy end with uh, Jason Bright and Fabian Coulthard. They took like race wins earlier in that season. They hadn't had a race win like ever. So it, 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 Brad must be just good at building new cars. <laughs>
1: he knows all the tricks before before everyone else passes them.
0: <laughs> yeah, that must be it. Uh, So that's this weekend. So I think race action starts on uh, Friday with practice uh, one, two, and three. um, uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Um, uh, And then qualifying on Saturday, race one on the Saturday, qualifying Sunday, race two on Sunday. And 250k races each time around, uh, which would be a a big test, a big challenge uh, with the new cars, especially if they're more physical to drive. If they're less downforce dependent mm. and they're more physical to drive, that's they're going to be, they're going to be rough, rough ways to start the year.
1: Especially, especially if it's going to be hot. Yeah, then who knows? David Rinaldo might come in handy.
0: <laughs> Don't get him too excited. <laughs> uh, what about though? some cricket we we love our cricket chat here from the grandstand so where do we want to start when we talk about cricket because there's been a fair bit happening out in the world of leather and willow i think we should start pretty close to home
1: and talk about what's happened in new zealand the past week because yeah we have witnessed possibly one of the greatest tests to be played
0: we literally witnessed history with the the uh mm-hmm. with england in new zealand now, do we want to talk about the first test at all, or do we just want to forget that that, nah. that exists? Okay, first test, first, te- first England one. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, second test though, we saw quite possibly the greatest test of the last you know, I don't know three or four years. Um, do you want to tell the story, or shall I? Um, I think I can sum it up in a few words. So, first
1: innings comes along, England doing baseball things have taken New Zealand apart, what was it, 480 something? The loss of eight? A lot.
0: <laughs> a lot is yes. what they
1: scored. Yes. Uh, actually declared uh, and sent New Zealand in on a windy Wellington day and over the next session and a half bowled New Zealand out for not very many at all.
0: 209. Yes. So
1: they've enforced a follow-on, which is a dying art form in cricket. Yeah. So your team enforces a follow-on.
0: Yeah. So to explain, explain, yeah. So the follow-on in cricket. So if you have a lead of more than 200 runs in test cricket, after the first innings, you can, as the captain of the team that is about to bat again, say, hang on, we don't want to bat again. We want you to bat again. We want, we think we can bowl you out again quickly. And so we don't want to waste our time batting waste the time of the game by batting again. We want you to bat again. So it's something that used to happen a lot, like in the nineties and the eighties. It's less so it happens less nowadays, but it's really an aggressive decision. So if you, if you enforce the follow on as the, as the the bowling captain, what you're saying is we think that we have the game in our hands. And uh, to be fair, if you're Ben Stokes, the England captain, and you've gotten to what halfway through day two, and you've bowled out New Zealand in fifty something overs, fifty three overs for uh, for a lead of you've got a lead of two hundred and twenty runs. I think that's a fair a fair mm-hmm. thing to say. That's a, a pretty good position to be in.
1: Yeah, especially especially seeing that was bowled out towards the end of the day as well. Mm. You know, you yeah, actually have, yeah, have a night's rest to recover.
0: Exactly. You know, uh, half an hour of hard work, and then have a have a the night off to recover, and then go go again mm. the next day.
1: Yeah. Then, then what happened? Outside, they then what happened? <laughs> then what happened is New Zealand decided to bat properly. They finally figured it out. Uh, yeah. Um, also helped with the pitch flattened out a bit too, but. Kane Williamson, a hundred and thirty two, Tom Latham eighty three, Devin Conway sixty one. When your top three are scoring, you know, two hundred runs between them, two hundred and eighty runs between them, you know you're gonna hit a big score.
0: And also uh, Tom as, Bundell as well in ninety. As well, Chris. Not just scoring runs, but soaking up a lot of time. That's that's the, another mm. part of this. They they, they were out yes. there for a long time. So you know, Tom Latham and Devin Conway they batted for almost four hours without losing the first wicket. That's that's a long time.
1: It was good old fashioned Test cricket, scoring at less than three and over, but scoring four hundred and eighty three runs.
0: And it could Breaking have been more as well. It could have been more. I watched, that, I watched this game. Um, the run out of Bracewell, where he just didn't put the bat, he didn't ground the bat and got run out. Like, this is schoolboy he stuff. Could've... He's basically in his crease, but with nothing grounded over the line. And he's been run out. Like, that's a rookie mistake. And that kind of triggered the yeah. collapse. Yeah, and it's a Bracewell. He's not a rookie. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um it triggered the collapse. So even ended up all out 483 after 160 overs. So that left England chasing 258 off about 75, 76 overs. And he starts, you know, well enough. End up, well, we, we uh, Zach Crawley went out with 139, two for 53, end up four for 80, five for 80, uh, two weeks and two balls. Then Ben Stokes comes out. Oh He's, no. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going, oh no doesn't score runs. But he's there at the other end while Joe Root is scoring. And by the time Ben Stokes is dismissed for 33 of 116 balls, the score is now 6 for
0: 201. And he Leading... did that as well. He did that as well with a, a pretty significant mm. knee injury. He was not enjoying mm. his time out of the crease. No, no. So
1: that's leaving 50, 55 runs to get, sorry, no, 57 runs to get four wickets. So you think, okay, England's pr- probably got this now, the way they play, aggressive style, should be able to walk it in from here. Then Joe Root gets out eight balls later. Seven for 202, you're into the tail. New Zealand's going, okay, we've got a chance here. Your reward comes in, makes a quick fire 11, gets bounced out by Wagner. Then it leaves Ben Folks as the last recognized batsman, basically with the tail. So they're farming... He's farming the strike, turning down easy singles that take as much of the strike as he can. Ultimately, goes out for 35. Score at this point is 9 for 251. So, last wicket, England needs 7 to win. New Zealand, 1 wicket to win. And then shit, shit got really interesting. Wagner's coming in all fire and brimstone, bowling as short as he can, and I think a couple of boards were even shorter, so short they should have been called wide. We- Jimmy Anderson takes a massive swig at one, gets it away to the boundary. Suddenly, two runs to win. People is later. Wagner comes in down the left side. Jimmy Anderson gives it a little tickle. Keeper diving catch to his right, gloves it. New Zealand win by one run.
0: By one run. And, like, it, it is hard to, like, really convey the, like, tension and release of that moment like the, the whole oh, yeah. five days had been building to this one final little pocket of time late on the last day and then yeah for New Zealand to come back and win like that by yeah one run the only the second time in the 130 year history of test cricket that uh, a game has been decided by one run uh and mm-hmm. like oh my gosh and only and- the f- go ahead and only the fourth time the
1: side following on has won the game.
0: Yeah, so that kind of goes to show. And like the follow-on, yeah, as I said, used to be quite popular. It's a very aggressive move. You only follow on when you think you're going to win the game. So the fact that, mm. you know, for the fourth time in history, a team has managed to turn over what was an almost unwinnable position is kind of, it, it's, it's unheard of, effectively. Yeah, and this
1: is from a New Zealand team that hasn't had the best time of it in the last 12 months in terms of test cricket we're currently holding out the bottom of the um of that OCC test championship after winning it last cycle after winning it (laughs) yes but this is just a great fill up a great result for the team and to see the emotion at the end of it David Gower even threw out by the barest of margins which kind of hurt
0: a bit (laughs) <laughs> so so for those who don't get that uh that was that was the the commentary of the uh World Cricket Cricket World Cup final 2019 when New Zealand lost by the barest of margins that was the 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 whole and that was uh, England versus New Zealand as well and that was that was a, a close game in itself and like the fact that uh Ian Smith had to commentate on that and had to be impartial well not even impartial he just had to had to be there he and he was not he was not being impartial. He, he's kind of like the best kind of impartial because he's analytical and will be on, he'd be bi, unbiased in his analysis, but biased in his like desire. So I think he's very good yeah. anyway. But yeah, that was, that was very, that was very funny. A nice little callback. Yes,
1: yes it was uh, quick shout I think baseball is an amazing way to place, play, play kids cricket. And I think it works.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So just, but, just for for those who might not be well versed in cricket and do, who doesn't understand what's going on what is Bazball if you people people have been talking about Ball and the English cricket team D- describe to me what is Ball? why is it called Ball? who is so, Baz t- Baz Brendan McCullum former New Zealand cricketer
1: now coaching of, coaching England known for his incredibly aggressive play and just scoring as quick as he can and being as aggressive as he can in the field with his placements, his strategies and his fielding, fielding ability himself. So what he's done is he's taken test cricket where you n- might go three, four runs and over and gone, right, we're just going to go full gas, fives, sixes, sevens and over and just score what we can. We lose a wicket. Okay, let's go. Keep going. England has the cattle. To actually, make that succeed at the moment. Ollie Brook is an absolute weapon. He's only played what eight tests. He's already had eight hundred runs.
0: Yeah, ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's just about scoring as quickly as you can and putting as much pressure as you can on the opposition. And what makes it work, I think, is that they can look at it. They look at it and go, okay. We bat three, four, and over. We might score four hundred runs. We can score the same number of runs, going at twice the pace, and we some more time to get
0: a victory. It's great. It is pretty cool. It's it's a very uh, non-traditional way of playing Test cricket. Um
1: that's bad for you.
0: That, that's true. That's true. And hey, I, like as you said, it's been working. I think of the what of the fourteen p- Tests they've played so far. This is the first loss that they've had. Because they've just, been, mm-hmm. they've just been able to go and go and go and go. Like you, it, It's rare that you see centuries scored at more than a runner ball in test cricket. But this is what's been happening with this, this England side <coughs> at the moment. So it's kind of terrifying. Um, but we shall see how well it holds up once the Australians arrive for the Ashes in July. Yes, and
1: speaking of Australia, they've had an interesting preparation for the Ashes, haven't they?
0: Yes, we have been. We, I speak as a part of team. We, we have been. We have been in India on some of the absolute worst pitches I think I've ever seen for Test cricket. Um, We, we lost the first two tests in uh, where were where even were they in uh, in
1: one was in in Mumbai and one was
0: yeah so yeah Nagpur and Delhi. yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, they were they were the the colloquial term is dust bowls, basically just uh, p- pitches that were dry and very sandy and very dusty and conducive to spin bowling. Which you know, <laughs> when you've got uh, Ravi Jadeja and Ravi Ashwin on the Indian side, uh, means that it's very hard to be an Australian batsman. I mean, even well, con- I mean half the Australian batsmen can't play spinner and are out of form anyway, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) We had the chance to go up in Delhi, but we just kind of all collapsed into a heap, which was not fun. Um, But we did win the most recent test match in Indoor, which...
1: Which was was probably on the worst pitch I've ever seen. Yeah, uh,
0: that's the thing. So, like... I hate talking about the pitches in in cricket because a lot of the time, you know, because by, broadly it's the same for both teams, right? You get the same pitch. You've got to make do with what it is. But the issue I have with particularly pitches in India prepared the way that they are is that it doesn't offer a, A, a good contest between bat and ball or a fair contest between bat and ball and B, it's not really compelling viewing. Um, So, so... No. Yeah, so it's kind of the the Test cricket that people look at and go, "Wow, this is boring. This is annoying. Why do people care about this?" It's <laughs> so 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 just to, to make a comparison, um, like ideally you want a Test match that lasts for five days. Like the, I think the way the Adelaide curator says it is that he prepares a pitch that is going to give a result in the last session of the fifth day. That's the goal. You want something that is a bit green to start with, so that way it offers a bit of bounce, a bit of seam, a bit of movement for the this, uh, the bowlers. Then it flattens out, so it's really good for batting for the first three or four days. And then it starts to break apart, and that's where the spinners come in. What you don't want to see, in my opinion, I'm, this is my opinion, but you know, what, what I don't want to see is a pitch where you're seeing big puffs of dust and w- the ball sort of breaking through the surface and getting really inconsistent bounce and spinning wildly on the first day of the first, the first session of the first day. Because that, what it no. does is it kind of narrows your options. It narrows the scope of the game. And like, that's what we saw in all three test matches, really. Uh, and I just don't like watching that kind of cricket. Yeah, this isn't India trying
1: to prepare pitch Like, okay, yes, here is the Indian style of play where it's, it's going to spin a bit but they don't need to doctor their pitches. I'm saying I'm using that word because that's what they are doing. They're specifically going in with this mindset to make the pitch do a certain thing and it
0: backfired them on them in the third test. But by that point, we've already, uh, Australia has already lost the series, so it doesn't really Mm. matter. Mm. Yeah. Um, It's just a bit of a a thing. And as well, something I found interesting is that the, uh, the captain of the Indian team, Rohit Sharma, uh, he said in the press conference that he specifically requested these types of pitches. Now, I don't know about you, Chris, but I don't know of anywhere else in the world where a captain can specifically request a particular type of pitch to be made, to be prepared.
1: No. I've mean, never... In Australia, every grounds person is in charge of their ground.
0: Yeah, they're independent. They're independent of Cricket Australia, yeah.
1: even. It's like lawn bowls. You go and you go into a lawn bowls club, tell the creator how to do his job, and he'll probably punch you in the face you had to get lost. <laughs> We're very protective of our playing services here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As well, you should be. Um, but yeah, mm. it's it seems it's, it's and and then you know the the funniest thing about that press conference was that Sharma followed it up a few questions later by saying, "Why do we always talk about the pitches in India? We spend too much time talking about the pitches. Let's not talk about the pitches." Like we well, just said moments ago that. You asked for these types of pitches, like ah, it's 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 very fr- kind of frustrating, and it, it's again no wonder that Australia hasn't won a test series in India since two thousand and four. When yeah. yeah, but anyway, um, it's kind of funny to see, uh, you know, scores of like five for forty on the first session of the first day. That's just kind of ridiculous. Um, but mm-hmm. oh well, sailor <laughs> V. Oh well, that oh well more important tests
1: coming up for australia so this
0: is true um with the winning with the win in the most recent test in the third test at indoor um australia has booked its spot into the world test championship final which will be held at lords i think in england which will be a very different test uh test pitch to to what we've got uh in india at the moment and i believe the only options for our opposition is either india or uh, Sri Lanka, so I think if Sri Lanka whitewash you guys, whitewash the Kiwis, then they will be our the second players in the World Test Championship final. So, and the way that the way the Kiwis are going at the moment, I would not bet against that. <laughs> you just won like one of the most exciting Test matches ever.
1: Yeah, How you it was say
0: that? You because of that. Are you are you a parochially biased or not? Come on, get with the program, Kiwi. <laughs> I uh, why it's in my name. This is true. You literally go by Kiwi
1: Chris. Come on, get together. <laughs> get either, get it, man. Uh, while we're
0: in India, shall we talk about other Indian cricket
1: on the female variety?
0: Yes, I'm very excited about this uh, because this is kind of the next big step up in women's cricket at the moment. Uh, the Women's Premier League uh, has just started uh, over the weekend, uh, which has already seen two massive... Uh, Run uh, two massive scores set, and probably the game of the tournament already in just the three budding games of this new championship. Just, just quickly, Chris, what is the Women's Premier League? It's basically the IPL for the female game. We've got five
1: teams competing, four of which are owned by current IPL teams, and one sort of new in- new newcomer as well. Uh, five internationals per side, um, and the rest of it made up by Indian talents both international and domestic up-and-comers. Uh, leads to some great cricket. Some of the best players playing. Actually getting a decent pay as well, which is great to see. And the tournament has really got off to a great start.
0: Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, like, we, we saw, very similar to the the Premier, uh, the Premier Indian Premier League, the first game we saw, what was it, Brendan McCollum make 150-something in the first game of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um similar sort of thing what is it now 16 years later where we saw these i think it was the third largest uh score in a women's big bash game as a team with uh the Mumbai Indians setting 207 in the first game like the first innings of the tournament like the way if you want to kick off a new tournament that is absolutely the way to do it um and, oh yeah yeah as you said these these women are getting a fair cl- uh, a fair Payout as well. I think they did a, a full like uh, draft style nomination um, mm-hmm. for for teams to pick up international talent, and I think the was it the the leading draft pick was Ash Gardner from from Australia who netted something like I think it worked out to be five hundred and eighty five thousand Australian dollars, which you know is all right. <laughs>
1: That's not bad for a month's work.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Uh, but like, this is money that the women's game just hasn't ever experienced before. So this is this is absolutely going to change the women's game for the better.
1: It will absolutely, and it's go, only going only going to go up from here because you can see this expanding to six, 18 teams down the track.
0: Yeah, much like the, the IPL did as well.
1: And mm-hmm. um, I've got to admit, when I looked at the draft lineups and the four squads, I thought the Royal Challenges of Bangalore. That they had Sophie Devine, they had, you know, Natalie Shriver, they had the South African player who got kicked out of the World Cup side for being too be slow. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. she's one of my favourite players as well. I was very I was <clears throat> very sad to see that she missed out.
1: Yeah. And yet her wife got named in the side. you think that cause tension much?
0: Mm, yeah, that's not, not ideal.
1: Um and I thought, Oh, that side's gonna be pretty bloody strong and in they get smashed by 80 runs last night
0: <laughs> yeah they did i mean that that side's also got like elise perry and megan shoot who are two very good mm. australian players as well very good two of the best australian <coughs> players to have ever played the damn game um <laughs> yeah. yeah uh how about though last night uh watching the uh the up warriors versus the gujarat giants uh, the, I'm going to get these names like just completely butchered them completely. Um, but uh, the the game last night was absolutely just just a remarkable game of cricket. So, firstly, pretty good innings from uh, Gujarat, Gujarat Giants to set what 170 as the target um, off the back of mm-hmm. uh, Harleen Diel, uh to who got 46 off 32. But like Kim Garth. The Irish turned Australian ring in, who was like a an injury replacement, comes in, hoops the ball like sideways, gets five wickets for not many, and then somehow manages to be on the losing side because Grace Harris from Australia comes in and belts 59 off of 26 balls after they needed 70 off the last five. It was just ridiculous. Like they, they <laughs> won the game that they had absolutely no right to win. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. And that's T Twenty cricket play though. It can turn on the turn on the dime. So
1: it's just awesome fun if you're into that sort of stuff. So give this tournament a watch. It finishes the end of March, uh, and I think if you can't watch it, it's probably on YouTube somewhere.
0: Uh, hopefully they'll have um, highlights up on YouTube. It is all on uh, mm. Foxtel if you're in Australia. So yeah, get around it. A quick, quick little thing, Chris. Something that has been introduced with this tournament is uh, the player's ability to review wides and no balls. What what are your thoughts on this? So I don't normally, know if I like it. You, yeah, I, neither do I. So normally, like, wides and no balls are an umpire's at, at the umpire's discretion. So if the ball's too wide to hit, it's called a wide. If the ball is above the waist on the full, that's called a no ball. And you, uh, the consequence is the batting team gets a run and you have to bowl the, bowl the ball again. So it's it's like a double penalty. Um, but yeah, we've already seen, I think, three times wherein a wide or a no ball has been reviewed and then changed. Um, so yeah, a net positive for the game or a net negative for the game or not sure yet. I don't like it. You don't like it? Well, why you, Why don't you, you like it?
1: For one, it slows the game down. Two, it take, it's up to the umpires. If you really want to police it, Get the guy in the box to watch it, and making this look cool like he does with the front foot no balls.
0: Do you think that will be appropriate for the for the wide calls as well, or just for the no balls?
1: Just the no balls. The wide calls should be discretion of the field umpire because you get the usual two D projection of a three D image.
0: Okay, that's fair. How about leg side wides though? If if a batsman feels that they, sorry, if a bowler thinks that the batsman's if it's hit their legs or hit their arms or something. What? What about that? Because generally, what happens I, I, in T Twenty cricket is that anything that goes down the leg side gets called a wide.
1: Well, I well, my, it's, my opinion, is clattered by the fact that I think the leg side wide draw is too strict. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I don't think we need players getting involved in that.
0: Okay.
1: I, I think it's just so that they're too much. Is asking too much. Like, you're going going to get into the tennis route of just getting rid of all the line judges
0: (laughs) I mean that's not necessarily a bad thing in tennis yeah true (laughs) Um, yeah we'll see how that one plays out Uh, but all in all at the very beginning of the tournament it looks like this is going to be a very good tournament and I'm excited to see what happens with the women's premier league so that's what I will be watching in the month of March Chris what are you going to be watching in the month of March
1: Uh, Well, the footy codes have kicked off down here. Uh, Super Rugby's into week three. They just had Super Random Melbourne. Uh, NRL is
0: round two as well, coming up. Didn't they uh, introduce a new NRL team for the first time in like Yorks?
1: Yep. Finns up. The Finns up? The The, uh, Dolphins. Did they win as well? They did. They uh, had their first game, first win uh, with Wayne Bennett at the helm. So go the Mighty Finns. Are you you, you on on the Finns
0: now? Oh yeah. Oh, Don't no. make
1: Turner out of their opposition.
0: <laughs> I hate it. Stop.
1: <laughs> um so yeah, that, that's gonna take a lot of my as as a lot of my uh, attention, as well as European soccer for reasons I didn't expect. That's for another podcast.
0: Um what about
1: you? What are you looking forward to?
0: uh well the the cycling classics the spring classics have just kicked off so we had uh strada Bian- uh Bian- i keep i don't know how to say this one properly Stra- strada bianca is that how you say it i probably should learn how to say that um that kicked off well that that happened over the weekend um the and straight bianchi straight 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 bianchi <laughs> oh, i, hate I myself. have no idea um and then, and then we've got a few of the monuments uh first up uh is Milan San Remo which is the same weekend as the Super Sebring weekend uh so that'll be a uh, a confusing watch I'll get a few screens up for that and then uh the Ronde, uh, Ronde Van Vlaanderen, and the Tour of Flanders uh right at the beginning of April so uh all the little one day races in between all that um and then the biathlon season's coming to a close. Uh, with the two rounds in Scandinavia, first at Ostersund in, uh, in Sweden, and then the, the finale at Oslo, which is also the same weekend as Super Sebring. So, uh, going to need many screens that weekend.
1: You're going you're gonna to have to be a lot of work. We've got six Foxtel boxes.
0: Six? Oh my God, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, in, in between all that as well, I'll keep watching my... Uh, f- very all-over-the-place Manchester United as well. I was very excited to come and talk about them winning the uh, Carabao Cup, their first trophy in a little while, up until this morning, where we had a had a, had a bit of a result, had a, had a bit of a time. Oh, we don't need to talk about this, do we?
1: Stand up if you're 7 now
0: oh, And it had to be against Liverpool as well, didn't it? It had to be against Liverpool. Our, lo- <laughs> our longest, oldest rivals. Yeah. In their worst season they've had in the last few years, it had to be we had to lose seven 0 to. Oh my god! The worst part about this is my <laughs> my neighbor my neighbors are from Merseyside, and one of them uh, supports Everton, the other one supports Liverpool. But even though, oh god, yeah. So, like, I took the bins out like uh, twenty minutes before we started recording, and he just like he just comes out the the door and goes. Oh, interesting result for you guys overnight. I'm like, don't, don't even, just <laughs> d- 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 stop. <laughs> oh god, that, that's that's the month of March. Uh, actually no, there is one other thing that I'll be watching. Um, and that's because I've started playing this sport now. I'm gonna be watching the 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 FIH Pro League, the hockey pro league. Um, because I've started Wait, playing hockey.
1: You madman?
0: And I'm really mad. It. It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you
1: can't be. Bad as me, don't worry. I played it for a few seasons. Oh, did you?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, sick. I yeah, uh, wasn't wasn't much good, but I was able to at least hit the ball towards the goal and score a few times.
0: What? Oh, that's
1: awesome. Just don't ever get me into a pendy corner situation, please. Oh ever again.
0: yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to that <laughs> the first time it happened. I have some shin pads now. I didn't have shin pads for training last week, but I do have some shin pads now, so I'm less scared. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, That has been From the Grandstands for February. Hope you've enjoyed. Uh, We will endeavor to continue this on the first Monday. Well, we'll record on the first Monday of every month to try and have it released the day after. Um, We will make sure to talk about supercars. We'll make sure to talk about the cricket. I know everyone loves to talk about the cricket, Um, but we will hopefully keep this going throughout the year. So thank you for, for being interested in us bringing this project back. Um, thank you, Chris, for, for being on board with this project once again.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, it's just nice to be back.
0: Yeah, and hopefully we'll... I always we'll... enjoy this ones. It, it is a bit of fun, isn't it? Um, hopefully we'll oh, stick yeah. with this a bit longer than we did last year. Hopefully we won't get distracted by Lamar and have everything Baby. skip out on us. <laughs> and babies. And, and babies. babies. No more babies, Chris. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I'm not comfortable with how that happens. Anyway, goodbye! <laughs>